Pixwise is the number one app for sports betting picks, helmed by a team of trend watching, data devouring sports fanatics, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction for every game, every day, and every sport. Loaded with best bets, props, and parlays, you can find in depth analysis on every game, all for free. Found your pick? Search the latest sports book promotions to sign up for an account, compare the odds, and finally, place your bet. Download the free Pixwise app now to make your next bet better. Pixwise backs responsible gambling. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Pressure's on now. That's right. Let's give him a call. Okay, let's let's talk all sh- all the shit we want to talk about Ethan right now. He's not gonna he doesn't listen to the podcast anyway, Ben. So we're good. <laughs> good. Actually, I spent the weekend with him. I got your horses. I just walked in the door and peed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll yeah. to the toilet first. Matt called that. <laughs> Did he? Uh, so good. All right, I'll be right on. <laughs> Just oh my god! I'm definitely leaving that in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Opens the door and pees on the floor, running <laughs> to his computer. Yeah, seriously. Why? I mean, he could do it from his phone. That's what you're doing it from, right, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so your phone does have a camera. But... Oh no 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 no! Uh, I'm using my PC. I use oh. a TV for my monitor. Wait, how does it work? I just plug. I have HDMI. And I just plug in a. Of a 55 inch TV to my computer. You're, oh, you're like talking a foreign language to me. I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> HDMI, Colin. Oh, oh HDMI. Man. Got yeah, it. My grandpa knows what that is. <laughs> Just took me a couple seconds. I got it now. Yeah. We all know who handles the electronics in your household now. <laughs> Stella. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She did buy uh, Amazon Music, like the premium version, the other day. She bought it on. She, she deserves it. Yep, yep. On the TV, Christine, my, my wife, uh, was uh, just letting her play around with it. Next thing I knew, I had an email and said, welcome to your new trial. Uh, after 30 days, if you choose to uh, ignore this message, you will get charged a crazy amount of money. So good luck to you. <laughs> it's like, great. <laughs> hey. 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 Oh, okay. It froze. It froze. Now it's back. Yeah, you froze. Yeah, I actually had like a little bit of an it clown frozen face. The uh, intro to this podcast is going to be absolutely legendary, just so you know. Absolutely what? Legendary. Legendary, okay. Well, okay. you didn't get what I said on tape. It just it just uh my my Nostradamus prediction wasn't on tape. What what did you say I was gonna say? Exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I see that Ben is here. Ben. Hi, Ethan. I don't have hey, a man. I know. I'm sad that I can't see your face, but yeah, you're good. Your, your voice is still good, too. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, dude. Holy shit. It's been such a long time. Very long time. Yeah. Fucking A. Now, did you guys already do... What have you talked about so far? Just been you, shooting the shit. You. D- talking <laughs> about me. here yet. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I kind of assumed that that would, be the, that would be what was happening. Now, did we, do, did we introduce Ben? Did we explain the backstory? This this is all you, buddy. All, all you. Me. Yep. So, all right. Um, well, did you have anything else you needed to talk about before we do that? Just, any just any intro right shit it. or whatever? What did he say? <laughs> just know. get right into <laughs> it. Just get right into it. No, I was Matt's asking. Pissed. He's like, let's go. 
Yeah, well, look at this. My goodness. Um, okay, so our second official podcast guest is Ben Burr, chef extraordinaire, good friend of uh, of me and Colin, and now a friend of Matt. So um, the backstory is from 2013 to 2015, Colin and I lived together um, in actually in the suburb where we grew up in uh, outside of Syracuse, New York. Not by choice. Not by choice. And uh, and we we were working at a restaurant together, which sadly no longer exists. And um, Ben was the executive chef at that restaurant. And so we became friends back in those days. And uh, Ben can talk more, obviously, today about what he has been up to since and what he's doing now. I, I, I know he was going to talk a little bit, at least, about the restaurant industry, which I think would be uh, super interesting given given the current uh, current times, current situation. So uh, well, that's basically it. Before we launch into like Ben, great wings, great wings. Yeah. I have to say that. We Probably did every have time good I wings. went to Split Rock, that's what I got. Uh-huh. We smoked those, didn't we? Did I don't we? know. I don't remember, but like I think we smoked them. They were whether good. it was me bringing a date there or me showing up at the end of the shift to to uh, hassle Ethan and Colin, <laughs> always got the wings. Yeah, they were good, crispy. Yeah, those were good wings. Hands down, my favorite place to cook, and when I was the happiest, I think even now. Even now, really? Even now. As I look back on it, yeah. Just Holy the shit. atmosphere that place had and, you know, the food was great and the team was awesome. Yeah, yeah. that was. That was a good spot to work. Absolutely. But, yeah, it was all the people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we had a good team. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. And, and the regulars were cool, too. You know, we had good regulars. Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. yeah, those were good times. But I never once thought that Colin would have a kid before anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> we actually we joke about that a lot um us three because now like matt the, now he's not the shortest person in the house anymore <laughs> <laughs> yes. there it is wow. there it is wow. we, knew, we knew it was coming we Come knew it was on, coming ben. love it yes absolutely <laughs> Colin, if you if you think about it dude from the ages of eight to 13 your wardrobe's gonna double dude think about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> if i'm lucky if i'm lucky hopefully hopefully <laughs> Also, I have no idea how you tricked that wonderful, beautiful woman to live with you and like love you. Isn't that wild? Congratulations! Congratulations! Yep. They, yeah. Ethan, Ethan still can't believe it. He used to give us that bullshine, that bullshit line about oh. uh, just uh, wait, wait until uh, you're dating for two and a half years, long distance, then come talk to me. Uh huh. I did. Yeah. Did well, you cause... start dating at Split Rock? Uh, yeah. While we, while we, while we were there. there. Yeah. 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 It was toward the end for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because that was when you picked up the second job. You were working, mm-hmm. you were working Split Fleet Rock feet. and Fleet Feet. Right, was that's it, how I met her. Yeah. Was it 2014, Kyle, when you guys met? Yep. Yeah. Or, no, we met in 2013. We started dating in 2014. Started dating in 2014. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I feel like the, the Grenadier Village uh, Ethan Collin apartment had sitcom written all over. Grenadier Village, dude. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Ben certainly thought so. Well, Ben Ben would have been Ben would have been the snarky side man. I mean, every time we were working together, this guy was just fucking chirping all the time, constantly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you're making me blush. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, because I, you two were at first. I thought you were dating. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, here's Ethan, who's like, uh, who like, you know, can like sing and dance and play any instrument you put in his hands, and is like clearly a genius, like nerd. <laughs> and then that's right. Here, but, but then here he is holding his own, talking absolute nonsense with Colin about baseball and RBSs and PBSs and ABCs and I don't know. <laughs> Very good, very good. Well done. 
Yeah. He's been listening yeah, to the Sabermetrics for. I've been doing some research <laughs> before I got yeah. on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, um, just I don't know. I was like, and then yeah, you guys were best friends forever. It yeah. Seemed. Yeah, yeah. We were just even by that point, we had already been friends for like what fifteen or so years. So at that point, we were already like an old married couple, you know. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's only it's only gotten worse, probably. But um, so well, so this is exciting. So um, I mean, I don't need to like direct the conversation um, specifically, but I do want to have Ben talk about the restaurant industry at some point. But before we do that, Ben, tell us um, tell us like what you're currently doing. So I know. Are you <clears throat> engaged or married now? I've been married for three years. OK, I could. Right. Yeah, Edit that I out if it's not. Okay. I thought that that was right. I was just making sure that I wasn't like mistaking the engagement and the wedding, like in my head. No. Um, yeah. Some friend so that's, you are. that's amazing. So, uh, now how, how is that? What does she do? Tell us a little bit about her. If she's, if she would be comfortable just a little bit, we don't need like deep um, bio. I want no. the whole story. I want to like what uh, she right. does, how you met any, I don't Honey, know. Honey, I need your social security card real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, she uh, is a home health aide for adults with special needs. Damn. So, good. good. Okay, good for her. That's some admirable shit right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she has a couple individuals that she takes care of and um, that stuff. But she also is an artist. She has um, her own art page and draws stuff and makes foils and does art pop-ups. And How could we uh, find her art if we wanted yeah, to Yeah, I would find say it. plug it. Plug it. Yeah, I mean, plug not it. that we, uh, we have a huge listener group, but plug it anyway. Yeah. I have to ask her what it is. Honey! <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. He just was bragging about three years of marriage. Next right. week, we're going to hear about the divorce. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't even what? know her art page. <laughs> I do. I just want to make sure I got it right. What's the name of your art page? Sage and Santo. Sage and Santo? See, I knew that. It's Sage and Santo. See? Okay, sage, um, like sage, like the seasoning, the herb. Yes, S A G E. And. Yep. Santo. Santo, S A N T O. Got it. Sage and Santo. Okay, sweet. I'll so put it in can... the show notes for people. It'll be okay. easy. We can yeah. look at your wife. Sorry if we want to. Awesome. I got a, I got a new house. I got lots of empty walls. I got to fill with stuff. So. I'm, I'm yeah, she's it up. Uh, pretty talented. Um, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. And um, and where where are you uh, where are you living and working these days? I think you're. I, I I see like occasionally on social. I think are you at like a a Phoebe's location? I am. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a Phoebe's restaurant. It's right across from the Syracuse stage. Um, part of the uh, Sherwood Group. So the same person who owns that owns the Sherwood as well. Uh, it's been around since like 1976 or something like that. And I've worked there off and on for a couple of years. Um, I left there once to go be the sous chef at Papagayo. Mm -hmm. And then I left there before that because uh, there was this cooking job out in Watkins Glen that was, it was at a, a, a motel with a pool and it was like supposed to be really cool. And it totally wasn't. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare um, of a time, but I left and came back. And then recently, after I left um, Papagayo, I went back to Phoebe's, which I was there uh, three weeks and then we got shut down <laughs> because of the oh, coronavirus. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and then as restrictions started to lift and things started happening, it was really down. There was me and another sous chef 
and it was either go for the head chef position myself or have someone get hired above me. So I just went for it because I'm not really down for working for somebody else unless they're the owner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Very cool. And so now how are things going uh, um, recently? Are you guys um, with, with vaccinations and stuff? Is the restaurant at, at full, at full working capacity at this point or still looking for people to, um, for staff and still opening fully what's going on with all that it's crazy because the restaurants open our staffing is met we're not as bad off as some places that i keep i hear about okay but we could use maybe one or two more but we just opened for dinner this week um so that was huge because that's the first time we've served dinner in a year and a half holy shit okay awesome um we did lunches we were open for lunch um, most of the summer and spring um, with just me and two other cooks. That that was it. Wow. Holy shit. Um, doing doing prep, the line, doing everything? Doing everything, cleaning. All yeah, of it. Jesus Christ. Okay. For those but, who don't know, by the, let me, I'm going to interject really quickly. Um, <clears throat> I don't, again, we, we don't have that big of a listener group, but for our listeners if anybody if we have anybody who's never worked in restaurants before and ben can talk more about this um restaurant work if you're at if you're at like a busy restaurant it's it's brutal um so be nice to anybody that you see in a restaurant any servers bartenders cooks whatever be nice even if they fuck up uh because mistakes happen restaurant work is really hard um it's really crazy busy and cooks especially cooks chefs um I've always kind of felt this way. They work insane hours for not that much pay. Their multitasking that they do is fucking insane. I, I've worked a few different restaurant jobs over the years, and I always marvel um, at all of the chefs. It doesn't matter whether it's the executive chef or the person doing the salads and the desserts, whatever. These people are working their nuts off for hours and hours and hours on end with no stopping, multitasking. Um, it's really, it's really impressive to watch. And, um, so, so when Ben is talking about this and, and talking about, uh, what it was like during COVID with such a short staff and, and even now with a lot of places that are short staffed, just keep, keep that in mind that running a restaurant and working in a restaurant is fucking hard. Um, so don't be a dick. What you said is like being underpaid. What a lot of people are hearing now is that people are lazy and don't want to go back to work, but here's the thing. Yeah. In the restaurant business, there's always been professionals who are people who are going to do this for the rest of their life. And that even includes front of the house. I know professional bartenders that will probably bartend well into like their 60s and 70s. Absolutely. Um, line cooks too. But what you have happening right now is the professionals, it's not about the money. It's they're fed up. They're fed up with the bosses who don't listen, the chefs who don't listen, the hostile atmosphere, the sexist atmosphere, you know. Mm-hmm. A dangerous atmosphere in some kitchens. Um, and they're done. So the amateurs obviously don't want to work because they never worked in one before. And the professionals are just fed up. And, and mo- honestly, most of them were burnt out when the pandemic hit. So that's why when quarantine happened, we were all kind of like, wow, cool. Yeah, a relief. <laughs> um, yeah, because, you know, most restaurants go seven days a week, you know? Yep, yep. And, well, and, and at least to me, and maybe this is just what I'm seeing on the news, almost feels like people are even they're they're treating each other even shittier right now so like why would you want to subject yourself to that why would you want to be out there when people are screaming at you and being like i don't know i think ethan's right everyone needs to work a service job 
Um, I believe in that too. At yeah, least like, for like a month. Yeah. Yeah. A month would be enough to get the um, picture. Yeah. Restaurants, retail, whatever. There's yeah. a lot of people that couldn't even handle a day. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Kyle's right about that for sure. Yeah. But even now in hiring, um, the, the team I hired on now, they're all from restaurants. They're all, you know, veterans, they're professionals and they like working in my kitchen because it's a calm atmosphere. We're polite, you know, like there's no drama, like nobody's drunk, nobody's doing drugs, like, yeah. And they can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But honestly, that the kitchen culture has been changing even before the pandemic. Um, I'd say eight years ago, I noticed it like, I mean, back in our day, it was the wild west. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. And especially when I was, I was 26, I think running split rock dude, mm. like having my own place. Yeah. Uh, young. Yeah. Yeah. So I was definitely there for like the free food, the booze, the girls and the good times and let's do the work. You know what I mean? That kind of mentality, but yeah. it, as people have come up and grown up, um, one, you can't do that shit anymore. I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't drink and stay up till hours of night and just pop right back into my work suit and go off and, and cook the food, you know? Yeah. And also drug use in, in kitchens because of the heroin epidemic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That hit the rest. I mean, that hit the restaurant, that hit cooks, the restaurant business hard. You know how many cooks are heroin addicts? Yeah. Well, it, it, it's something that I always thought was like, you know, like my brother was a, a dishwasher at a, a steakhouse over in um, Liverpool and um, I thought he was joking for the longest time about like, oh yeah, like they offered me cocaine tonight again. Like, oh shit, like again, like oh shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he's like I he, he told me, you know, man, I'm not kidding. Like this this happens, you know. Holy crap. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and, um, and there was a time where that was fun. Right, and for those who want to know more. Um, there's a guy who unfortunately passed away a few years ago who's one of Ben's heroes and one of mine, Anthony Bourdain. I'm sure lots of people know of him. He got really famous for a book that came out, I think, in 2000 called Kitchen Confidential. So if anybody's curious kind of about um, about this sort of restaurant life that Ben is talking about, check, check that book out. It applies, I would say, maybe even a little bit more to chefs because Bourdain was a chef, but really just <clears throat> restaurant work in general. People, uh, people are fucking wild, you know, especially when they're younger. There's, um, yeah, there's a new like unspoken rule in restaurants that if you go to use the employee bathroom, the doors lock, you kick the door in because chances are there's somebody ODing on the other side. Holy shit. I don't know if that was that an unwritten rule, like in the split rock days, do you think? No, no. Okay, dude, so this, this is, is like all recent. Yeah, I didn't worry Holy about shit. that shit in, at split rock. No. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. But okay. it, and then it went off like a bomb. It's getting better now, but the pandemic didn't help. It's just restaurant culture has been changing for a while. And the problem is restaurant culture can change all at once, but the public has to change as well, man. Yeah. And that's the other thing. That's where I think this is kind of good, where some people are kind of getting it in the being nice and just being like, hey, these people are here making my burrito. Like, that's awesome of them. And some people just aren't getting it. They just think, I, I need it. I want it. Give it to me. And, and, and if it's not right now, I'm going to throw a fit. Cook my food, food slave. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Fuck that yeah. shit. Like, exactly right. Cook it yourself. You're going to be like that. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I have a really relevant story about this too. Just last night, we went to a very popular barbecue joint here in Charlotte and had the worst service that I've had in a long time. You could clearly tell that the girl was struggling 
and just trying to do the best that she could and, and everything. But I mean, I, um, I noticed that. I know as a waiter, you must just be like, eh, 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 like crossing all the X's, like <laughs> all the messing up, like, nope, nope, nope. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And at the end of the day, like, all right, even if because we were in the industry, we already had the empathy for, you know, these people. Um, but, you know, even more so now, uh, knowing, you know, how short staffed they are, that they're, you know, more, uh, more than maybe anyone else outside of, you know, the, the nurses and the doctors who are putting themselves, you know, truly out there on the line every single day. I mean, um, I bet you some of these people don't want to be doing this type of work, but, you know, they're, they're in tough situations. So, I mean, we, you know, ended up leaving her a tip more than 20% regardless. And, you know, hopefully that made her night, but um, it was, it was just a, you know, it just sucked. Cause it's like, you know, you go, you go to a place like that and you want to have a great time. And um, you know, you, if they're struggling, you know, one of the, the better joints down here, you, you know, how, how is anyone else surviving? You know, that, that's what makes you think about it all. What was the food good? Yeah. Food was great. At least there's that. Yeah, yeah. At least there's that. Well, yeah, for and, sure. and like Ben, are you seeing this um, at your restaurant? Like, uh, my brother and sister in law and I went out for Thai food a couple weeks ago, and, and for a, a relatively small order, it took more than an hour to get our food. But what we noticed, um, it's just the revolving door of delivery drivers coming through. I mean, they must have served twelve or fifteen delivery drivers who are doing takeout orders between when we order like so that that's not helping either the fact that there's just you know doordash person driver after after driver after driver after driver after driver so we were sitting there going yeah okay like yeah, yeah that's that's, a, that's really actually important because yeah. it happened over uh because we did grubhub lunch and there's nothing worse than getting 15 online orders and you can't it's not like you have a hostess at the door if someone puts an online order in for 15 items that's pretty much 15 people we call in the business of 15 top so that's 15 people that just came in in the middle of your lunch rush that's already here it throws a wrench right into the works because you have to read you have to now you're so i know it sounds insane but having to make a burger and put it on a plate put it on a plate put it on a plate and now you have to put it in it to go that's gonna it, it fucks it up dude yeah, because you get into a zone, right? I mean, you get into a yeah. rhythm, and it, like, because you guys at this point, you have all put in like so many hours. Kitchens are made to run smooth. Yeah, it's muscle and, and memory, right? I it's mean, muscle yeah. memory. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And plus, on top of all that, don't Grubhub and DoorDash and all them take like a significant portion of the yeah, money. a huge amount, a yeah. huge amount. Damn. Um, yeah. I don't know. To me, like, if you're gonna put a 15 person order in, like. Just call the restaurant yourself the day before. Like, geez, come on. Or pre-order, yeah. yeah. But again, people think I put order in phone. Poof, food here. Yeah, yeah. like I've had like nothing happened in between. Like yeah. Jeff Jeff Bezos just brought it down with a drone and put your Thai food right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like, happened in between when you sent that order to when it came to your house. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. I, I've I've had to do that in for work in out here in Pennsylvania, like. I had to order a hundred Stromboli and it's like, I gave the guy a week. Like I showed up a week in advance. I'm like, Hey, I need to put it to go order. And he was like, Oh man, like, what do you need? And I was like a hundred Stromboli for next week. And he was like, Oh, Oh shit. Okay. But let's talk this through. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, you your, like help them help you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm the only one here who's never been in the restaurant industry. So you guys, Feel free to tell me to shut the hell up. But, no, dude, you're exactly um, right. Everything you're like, saying. Yeah. It's having having case. having the, the closest I've got the service industry job that I worked was uh grocery store cashier yeah, you and you oh worked like you get it. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's still also, nothing worse than having a, a grown man scream at you on Easter Sunday morning because he can't put toys on his EBT card. Like, I'm sorry, sir. I can't do that. I can just hit the button. Yeah. I'll just take the toys, man. Just take the toys. Target can take the hit. They'll be fine. Uh, But uh, it's even, it's further reaching than just, so so we've talked about the restaurant itself, and now we're going to keep building out. So now talking about Cisco and uh, food delivery companies, they're struggling. They don't have drivers. mm. Actually, at the plants, chicken has gone up to $100 a case. Give um, us just, um, give us a basis of comparison for that. Uh, what? So about before the pandemic, chicken was probably about twenty five dollars to thirty dollars a case. Holy fuck! Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, beef is up like fifty to forty percent. Um, just for me to put the steak that I have at, at my restaurant on the plate cost me fifteen dollars. Okay. Just the steak. Yeah. Let alone not even not counting like the sides and whatnot. Right. And the reason they're having so much trouble is because they can't, there's no one to work in the rendering plants, which is a thing to like cut the breasts off the chicken. So it's being processed, but the breasts have to go somewhere special, have someone else do it. So a lot of times like we're running out of random stuff. Like I couldn't get uh, potato chips once. Holy shit. And this, and this is like for, for our listeners that pre pandemic, that's like pretty much unheard of, right? Unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. Um, Yeah. Ordering was the easiest, best part of my day because I got to walk around with a clipboard, write stuff down, punch it in, and it would come to my restaurant. Now, I have anxiety every time I order something like, man, I really hope that comes in tomorrow. Otherwise, I have to rewrite the menu. I I have to change something, and I got to adapt. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's all restaurants right now. Just And and even uniform companies, we can't get uniforms delivered because there's not enough people to like put those uniforms on the hanger at the warehouse wow fucking wild it's crazy yeah, yeah we're you know I, it it's i guess i shouldn't say i'm glad to hear this but i'm, I'm glad it's not just us because yeah we're, we're seeing kind of similar stuff in the manufacturing environment for the same thing that uniform company um either messing up orders or not not being able yes. to service us or um, some of our um, components companies just having problems with so deliveries just, and with it drivers. Pisses, and... It pisses me the fuck off that all these people are like, oh, if they took away unemployment, I bet people would work. It's like, no, people don't want to work at your shitty restaurant that's full yeah. of drama. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the thing, so like, that's you're such a terrible... You're $13 an hour. Like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. The the whole unemployment thing, yeah, is a terrible, is a terrible argument. Scapegoat, yeah. dude. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it also, and honestly, I'm kind of loving it because in every restaurant i've been to it's always been someone else's menu that i'm walking into that i either had to i was allowed to tweak or you know fix and i was always trying to scale them down because menus used to be fucking huge dude yeah now i'm thinking it'll be good for the restaurant business to scale it down make it a fewer dishes but do them better right exactly you don't need 40 burgers you need six yeah yeah (laughs) not not even six probably in a lot of places right three yeah not even yeah. We have one. Okay. We have one yeah. burger. Yeah. <laughs> but we have the making so you can make a regular burger, but sure, sure. But the menu and, and also cross, learn how to cross utilize. There's you know, don't buy an ingredient for one thing. Yeah. So it's forcing people to be more efficient, which is like a small silver lining, I guess, then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Man, super interesting. Okay. What yeah. else? Yeah. Any anything? Um, is there anything else, Ben, about about any of that stuff? About any restaurant stuff that you had uh, that you had in mind? No oh, pressure yeah, if not. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's because uh, a bunch of blue, the blue tusk clothes. I don't know if you boys saw that. Oh, Colin, yeah. I think. Yeah, Colin, I think yeah. mentioned that to us. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. right. And uh, <clears throat> when it first closed, everyone, you know, in the comment section was just, I can't believe this is happening. And then guess what? Another business bought it two days later. So if you see one of your favorite restaurants closed that's been around for 75 years, maybe it was time. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's a good point. I like that. You know that. what I mean? Uh-huh. Stop for... thinking it's like this horrible tragedy. Like maybe it's time for someone new to go into somewhere and invigorate some things. Yeah. For non-Syracuse listeners, the Blue Tusk was a very famous craft beer and sandwich bar in downtown Syracuse. It was delicious and wonderful. And I was very priced. It was overpriced. Yeah. It was overpriced. Yeah. But I mean, but the food was good and they had yeah. a good beer selection. It was a vibe. unique place, and the number of times I'd meet you guys down in one of those little cove, cove um, booths and have a you know a neat unique beer it was a lot of fun. It was a um, place you could go and not have to worry about like Syracuse people. Can I say that on this? No, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I do it, like, dude. dude none of us live want. in Syracuse anymore. Go ahead. Like, yeah. like you didn't have to worry about like you know Syracuse douchebags and their button-up shirts. Like it wasn't corner <laughs> bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't Suns. Exactly. You could actually sit and enjoy yourself without worrying about like someone bumping into you and then starting a fight with you. <laughs> uh, love it. It was it was, it was a semi adult place, hmm. but then it just got bought by the guy who uh, uh, runs Kasai, the ramen place that opened up. Oh, oh I remember reading about that ramen place. Didn't was Dave working there at one point? Dave was working there at one point. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I had seen the name of it. Um, yeah, because ramen, ramen, uh, of course, has gotten like bigger and bigger in the last decade or whatever. I don't think in Syracuse, when we were at Split Rock, I don't think we had a, a dedicated ramen place, did we? No, I didn't think we ever could, dude. Syracuse is a tough place, dude. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised because I you remember? Exists. Do you remember that one time I did a Blue Moon Beer Battered Haddock on Fish Fry Friday? And instead of giving people a lemon, I wanted you guys to give them oranges because it's Blue Moon. Yeah. Dude, you would have thought I lit that town on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Jason, I had a meeting with Jason the next day. (laughs) Jason was the owner of the restaurant. Oh, my God. So many comment cards. It was the worst. That's so fucking funny. I don't remember that specifically, but it does not. Because I never did it again. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) I never did it again. (laughs) People are just so set in their ways. Oh, my God. Well, then when I worked at Papagayo, you know, you run gazpacho. I stopped doing gazpacho because I was so sick of heating it up in the microwave for people. I was done. Like my soul couldn't take it anymore. But well, yeah, it, it's cold tomato soup. Is it for supposed to be cold? Sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gazpacho is supposed to be but, cold. But people, oh, were people asking for it warm all the time? Yeah, they were. Oh. They were shocked that we brought them cold soup, even though uh, it says cold soup on the menu. It's Jesus supposed to be cold. Christ. <laughs> well, no, about, leave, leave, yeah, people don't read menus, you know. Yeah, and that's also ninety degrees in the summertime. Why do you want a hot? piping hot soup out here yeah really yeah seriously oh my goodness but it's it's been more i don't know breweries all over this place it's, uh, syracuse is growing i think culturally well yeah like well, skinny we'll just, alice has a brewery everyone has a brewery now we'll, we'll just right. throwing it out there ben i may open a brewery one of these days and uh, i'm gonna need cash flow from a restaurant <laughs> to keep the thing going while I, while i perfect our beer menu so i mean 
I'm looking for connections. I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. Future right. partnership. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. But, no, no, just kidding. But Colin no, still wants me. No, to but if it. you have money, feel free to give it to me, man. I don't, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. Now, um, that. Ben, uh, you and your wife, what's her name again? Is it, is it Courtney? Courtney. Now, are you guys thinking, not to like put you too much on the spot here, but are you thinking um, stay in Syracuse long term? Or are you guys thinking that at some point when it feels natural, you might you might want to try a, a different location? I don't know. I've always... Easy I know I can... hitting questions. No, it's, I know, it's, it's right. Cool. Exactly. Just, I, uh... that's, that's why I'm here, you know? I um. <laughs> I know I could go down south and get a job in an instant because I'm from the north. And yeah, but who wants to live down south? Fuck that. Um, <clears throat> dude, you're like know. a mile away from living down south. You know, actually, you know, no, I actually, this actually, you know what? Fuck. I always forget this. I count as the south, dude. Like Virginia yeah. is absolutely a southern state. It's below the Mason Dixon line. I live two hours away from the fucking, uh, the city that was the capital of the Confederacy. Yeah. Dude, I live in Northern Virginia. I live just across the river from Washington, D.C., okay? And literally, so for those who don't know, I'm a music teacher, and I drive to my students' homes to teach lessons. It's 2021. It's Northern Virginia, which in 2021 is a super diverse, super progressive place. I still drive all the time on the Lee Highway, and the Jefferson Davis Highway, okay? <laughs> Je for those who don't remember their history, Jefferson <laughs> Davis was the president of the Confederacy, and Robert E. Lee was the head general of the Confederacy. For those who also don't remember their uh, other stuff about their history, the Confederacy is the one entity in all of American history that was, like, truly guilty of treason on a wide scale, okay? So so if, if, there are anybody, if there's anybody listening who, like, does this whole thing about respecting history and being nice to the Confederacy, you really need to re-examine your entire life, okay? But anyways, Why so... don't you just pull over and piss on the road? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello, Charlotte. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, and um, our, but no, I, um, our Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee uh, listenership just plummeted. Gone. They disappeared. <laughs> um, I'm actually, honestly, I'm waiting for a one-star review to come to be like, that guy with that guy with the nasal voice, he's, he's such an asshole or something. I'm, I'm totally waiting for that. That but guy who's always ranting. That guy who's always <laughs> ranting. Fuck that dick. One star. Um, but anyway, sorry. I totally, I did not mean to do that. I totally, uh, no, uh ran did. away with things. <laughs> it wasn't a plan. It wasn't a plan. It just happened when I realized that I live in the South because I oh, still get upset you? when I realize that I live I in the South. It. That's it, a it, it, it is weird. It's I'm, a trigger. I'm, I'm, like, I'm five miles from the Mason like, Dixon ah! line. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's you weird. are close, Matt. I always I'm, forget I, that. I essentially live on the Mason Dixon line. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and that is strange because you don't think of Pennsylvania as as being a southern state or even close to a well, southern state. I don't think of Maryland but, as being a southern state. Right, but it's the border, right? It's the Maryland-Pennsylvania border. Yeah. That's that's the the line. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really weird. So anyway, sorry, I totally, let's go back to where we were. So Ben, you were talking about you could go down south if you wanted to and you could get a job really easily. But it kind of sounded... Or fight the Confederacy with the or, other one too, Or fight the Confederacy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it kind of sounds like you're, you're pretty content then in, in Syracuse. That's I haven't what it been a head like. chef for one year. I've been head chef for probably about five months. Yeah. How long was like, it at Split Rock that you were head chef? A year and a half. I okay. So, so cumulatively you, you have, you have a, a, a decent amount. 
yeah what i really want and where my heart really lies is, is the food truck that's... the food truck i was gonna ask about that because i that was another thing i remember seeing on social for a while you were doing that was like your dedicated thing for a while was it was a food truck in syracuse right well i started the salt city food truck you started it okay with Aaron Ames out of Aaron Evans. <laughs> oh, holy shit. That's awesome. Okay. That's why I left Papagayo the first time was to go run that. Yeah. Um, and it was a blast. It was fast paced and fun. And the best part about it was I got to write my own menu and I got to serve my own menu. And if something was wrong, the customer themselves would come talk to me and I'd work it out. There was no like Algonquin round circle for, well, was this going to be okay? Do you think this is too much? No, it's my shit. Like, yeah. And just that, that confidence that I had in the food truck. Also, I like the food truck because it like limits, it makes you limit your menu so much. Yeah. And, and then at the fair, we um, competed the first year. It was the first year they had a food truck competition. And that's where the first year that was ever won, the food truck that won it was the silo food truck out of Ithaca, New York. Um, a okay. guy runs it, Jesse Steve. He's, an incredible genius food wizard welder mechanic he's a gnome he's a magical <laughs> fairy person that exists awesome. <laughs> and um, <laughs> i worked on his food truck and the way he does things and how he did it and the flavors that he combined it like blew my mind so in my heart of hearts i don't think i ever have to move i would just like to own my own food truck to like get my own stuff out there with my own ideas and nobody else's you know that's awesome okay very cool. Because a lot of times in restaurants, yeah, I contend with the, the last chefs, you know, what did he order? You know, what did they put on the menu and all that. But Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll just, a quick interjection. So, mm -hmm. like, so for anybody who's hearing this and wondering, like, why Ben is kind of being pretty passionate about this idea of doing things the way that he wants and being sort of just the direct interface with, with, the, with the customer is because in in like a regular restaurant now Colin and I we were both we were both servers so this I'm not trying to insult servers but um with a full restaurant it's complicated right you have the customers you have the servers in the middle then you have the chefs and as we've kind of established people are fickle and impatient and blah 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 and so a lot of times you might have something on the menu but you're going to have a customer who's like um, okay, I want this, but I want it without those three things. And I want to add these two things. And then can you bring the dressing on the side? Right? So there are all these tiny little details that are constantly being modified on so many on so many dishes. And that's another thing that sort of adds to the to the complexity of, of running of running a restaurant. So this idea that Ben's kind of talking about with like the food truck is it's sort of it's sort of um, like kind of purified, I guess, is, is kind of the word that comes to mind, where it's like, Here's what we got. There's a few things. It's me. I'm the chef. And boom, here you go. And that's that. Um, and I can see chefs, I think, and Ben, you can tell me whether or not you agree with this, but I feel like a lot of chefs who who are like the true professionals, who are the true lifers, they they view it as 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 kind of an art form. They view their cooking and they and they view food as an art form. So so think about any any artist, right? Any artist is gonna wanna present their product undiluted to, to the public. And so you can see how for a chef, having that sort of freedom and independence would be like super appealing. Does that does that sound right, Ben? Yeah. And also don't go out and think that the menu is a suggestion list of ingredients. Make your own dish, not like it, and then give us a bad review. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> don't be that well, person. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like when it finally happened to me, like the 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 change of mindset, like, oh, okay, the chef 
did this on purpose, it probably tastes really good that way. I'm just going to work yes. that way. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's Trust why their I'm, expertise. They're the pros. Yeah. Like that must taste good. Okay. I'm going to do that. But like, I'm also not the, I mean, I think the biggest turning point for me was I floundered as a sous chef for a long time. I was a sous chef for like six, uh, four or five years. Okay. I didn't want to take that next step because I'd been there and gotten burned a billion times. Um, Plus, owners don't fire line cooks. They fire chefs. Um, right. It's a much more stressful position. The sous chef is kind of the good position. You know, you fill in the gaps for the chef. You know, you make his life easier, which in turn makes your life easier, and it all trickles down. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want it for a long time. And then when I got, I took it at Phoebe's, I just told myself that I'm taking my ego right off the plates. I'm not cooking for me. I'm cooking for people. So what do people want? And that's a big thing that I think some chefs struggle with. They, they think that they're so good that you have to eat their food. It's like, come on, man, don't tell me how to eat. Like, so you got to walk the line between, you know, being too pretentious and being open. Yeah. And also, also giving people, making them try things in stages. Like you can't just, you know, make them eat head cheese and be like, Oh, why don't you like it? It's a delicacy. I love it. Yeah. I I at Split Rock, I remember. I remember because, like, so you and Dave. So, so Dave, uh, I mentioned earlier, he was the sous chef at Split Rock during during our time there. And and him and Ben, I can remember, you know, kind of uh, collaborating and putting their heads together and thinking about things. And and I remember you guys doing that even then, being being gradual about it, right? It wasn't because Split Rock was, you know, kind of a typical kind of easy American food for the most part. Um, but you guys wanted to try some different stuff, but it's not like you just all of a sudden were like, bam, here's, here's 10 new dishes that are totally different. It was like, right. we have some specials this week that are a little bit different. And then yeah. maybe on the menu, we're changing one or two things at a time every month or couple months or whatever. Yes. So. Because I, I'm a firm believer that, uh, the menu is where specials go to die. <laughs> you can make an amazing special. The owner loves it. Everybody loves it. You throw it on the menu. You don't sell one. That's super interesting. Okay. I like to play taps for him as I take him off the menu. <laughs> I mean, we've got a great trumpet player here to do that. Yeah, that's right. I'll just, I'll make a little recording of it. I'll make an app. You can just download the app of me playing taps and it'll be specifically for when restaurants uh, are, are editing their menus. I mean, but, but, but for that reason, like I also, when I see, like I'm seeing more and more on menus now, like we, we politely decline substitutions or add-ons like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like, all right, I'll tell you if I don't want a tomato on there, but I'm not going to say like, well, take the tomato off, but add seven strips of bacon. Like, <laughs> no, no. Okay, I'll tell you no tomato and that's it. Like, okay, fine, done. Fine. Yeah, and some things that are just garnished, you can pick them off yourself. You're an adult. Like, yeah, yeah, that too, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can slide it off. It's not like that little <laughs> bit of tomato juice is going to kill you. Yeah. Oh my God, another split rocket story. Remember when I... um to build the burgers, I put the pickle on top of the bun and the big steak through it. Remember oh, that? yeah. Yeah. That I remember. remember. Remember that lady flipped her lid because we put the pickle on top of her bun. You know what? I do kind of remember that, actually. <laughs> that's funny because I don't remember many things from, from those days. Uh, but, yeah, holy shit. That's hilarious. Yeah. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. 
and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Hey guys, looking for a betting advantage this football season? You need to download BetQL, the only app you'll need to compare betting odds and make smart bets. Their best bet computer model scans over 350,000 unique bets per year to give you a best bet recommendation for every game across all major sports and gives you the reasoning behind why you should place the bet. Their model covers everything from spreads, over-unders, and player prop bets. Don't want to use this model and prefer to do the research yourself? Well, BetQL has all the necessary tools for your betting research needs. Tools like line movement and sharp data on who the pros are backing, team summaries highlighting previous success against the spread and over-under, team lineup breaking news and injury status updates, and leaderboards to track how you stack up against others and to view your winning streaks. Better data, better bets. Head to the App Store or Google Play Store now to download BetQL. You can also head to try.betql.co slash bluewire to get started now. Enter the discount code BLUEWIRE at payment checkout for 25% off any of their subscription offerings. Make sure to check out their offers page to find a special offer to receive a full free year of BetQL. Don't miss out on the chance to gain your betting advantage during this football season. God forbid yeah. I try. You know? <laughs> <laughs> for like presentation, it looks good. You know, it looks you have that. Bomb, dude. I yeah. want to eat that. Like, yeah. Also, if you know, it's not like it's not like it was sitting in the window for 15 minutes. Literally, I put that pick, and she's like, "Now my now my now my bun's gonna taste like pickle." It's like you're just gonna eat the burger and eat the pickle. Like, what the? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't Pretty crazy. I don't understand yeah. the disconnect. <laughs> oh man, awesome. Um, so what else? What else we got? Do we? Was there any other? Um, this is not uh, to dismiss Ben. Ben, I'd love if, if you want to, if you have time to stay on until the end, even if we do a couple non-kitchen things, but totally up to you if you need to, if you need to get out of here. Were there any things, though, Colin, that we, uh, that we had on the docket that we need to talk about? Uh, I've got 500 homers for Miggy. Uh, oh, yeah. Talk, mm-hmm. talk about that. Uh, I, got, I got a couple baseball things if we want to run through those. A couple baseball things. Ben, do you want to... I don't know if wanna... anything, though. No. Thank, um, thank you, guys. It was actually a really awesome way to catch up with you guys yeah that's what i was kind of hoping for yeah exactly you know i am friends on facebook so i do see your comings and goings from afar yeah and i'm always rooting you guys on and um likewise yeah yeah same here yeah this has been super fun if you want to come back on at some point i'd love to have you just uh just so fun chatting and catching up so yeah send us some send us some pics of uh the food too and we can put it on social media with all the other stuff that we'll put in the show notes but we can always send you know i know you used to at least you used to like to take pics so just send some along and we can put them on next awesome. time i come home to syracuse i'm going to phoebe's yeah i will too actually i would like to do that <laughs> well let's knock on wood that i'm still there <laughs> yeah. so, well we'll go wherever you are then i'll we'll track your go. food truck down <laughs> yeah. Yeah. ben just cooks out of his house now <laughs> hey All if right. i show up to your house with an empty plate i will fill it there you go. <laughs> yes. I also don't drink beer, but I got plenty of rum. So you. Hey. Oh, hey, that's I right. Can... Yeah, rum guy. Yeah. 
I just I may puke on your patio. Just warning. <laughs> Matt does have a thing for that. Yeah, that's uh, especially just, people he just met or um, adults in general, I guess. Uh, yeah, so yeah, just throwing up on impression. Exactly. Well, how is uh, he going to find his way home? He's got to know where he's been before. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, oh, I mean, I guess I can tell the first patio story tonight. You want me to jump into that right now, really quickly? Yeah, you can tell that story quick. So we were uh, the after after our freshman year of college, Ethan moved away yeah my family very, moved very to sad. connecticut yep moved to connecticut um nice. so uh colin and, and myself and and two of our other friends mary and katie as well as colin's younger brother timmy all hopped in the car and we drove out to south windsor connecticut to hang out with ethan and um how old are you guys 21 uh we would have like 18 this was after uh, 18 19 19, yeah. 19, uh, 18, okay. 19. so yeah, so i mean my, I, my legal, mom yes. called Char- sherry yeah. Ertz and was like hey our parents like, didn't care. Yeah, yeah right, they, they talked kids, it through. Right? The, the yeah, parents exactly. talked it through. Like, we 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 had a case of blue light. We had a oh. uh, couple <laughs> six packs of Mike's Hard Lemonade and a six pack Smittix. of Smittix yeah, ale. Something for the girls, right? The Mike's yeah, yeah, huh? Mike's, exactly. Mike's Hard for the girls and <laughs> Smittix right. for Matt. Yeah, because right. I thought I was sophisticated drinking Smittix. Right. Uh-huh. And um, and a bunch of chicken wing dip. And I don't know. I've got this. I've got this problem, which it's never been a competition. Um, but you get two or three beers in Matt, and Matt decides that he's got to prove to Ethan and Colin how much he can drink. Yeah. Um, yep. Do you ever succeed? Oh, oh, I, I mean, I prove to them all the time. Yeah, out drink us easily for whatever reason. He yeah. feels the need to show it every time. <laughs> to yeah. the point where Ethan and Colin tell me, like, you don't need to do this. And I'm like, chugging, like, oh. <laughs> um, so the second night we're out there, um, I mean, there's, there's incriminating footage of us, like, air guitaring to the Eagles and. Yeah, um, just yeah. chugging beer, and um, I must have I must have gone to the bathroom like seven or eight times, which is funny because <laughs> every time they went to the bathroom, I had to like walk in front of Ethan, Ethan's mom and dad, as they're watching TV. And just like, excuse me, I'm going to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> so um, I end up falling asleep in their little sunroom outside. I thought you were going to the toilet. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's in the sunroom, and then at like two a.m. or three a.m. I wake up in the middle of a thunderstorm and just like wander outside and just, just blow chunks all <laughs> over the garden of Jim Ertz, uh, the wonderful garden and patio of Jim Ertz, yeah. um, which was right beneath the balcony outside the master bedroom in the house. So um, the first thing they, they, they probably wake up every day, they look right over that balcony, look at their garden, appreciate Yeah, it. they could probably just see it. Like in yeah. my mind, I hope that the rain was heavy enough that I washed away all it washed away all the, but it didn't. It didn't. Uh, I mean, there was probably just. Smittix beer and Sour Patch Kids and chicken wing dip just all over the garden. It's good. Uh, and it, well, it was extreme enough plants. that, I mean, there's new like, I there. wandered back in <laughs> right. and like shut the door and curled up on the little, the little, uh, it was one of those like circular sunroom Papa's chairs. chairs. Yeah. I think it is like that. Yeah. Yeah. The big I curl back up. Could, like... Yeah. And Ethan's dad, Jim, maybe five minutes later, just comes downstairs, <laughs> opens the door to the sunroom and just looks at me and goes, you okay, Matt? <laughs> and I go, yes, sir. Thank you. It's yeah. just like fall back asleep. <laughs> oh man. Um, so either Classic. I woke them up or he knew what was going on. But uh, I appreciate him checking out, checking you know, checking on me. I did yeah. come clean to him in, at Colin's wedding and told him like, hey, like uh, you know, like I puked all over your patio that night, and he he just gave me like the most deadpan like. 
no shit. Yeah. Like, of course you did look, um, which was wonderful. And I love Ethan's parents and it was wonderful. And uh, I, you know, didn't have to pay any repercussions for potentially destroying their garden or their plants. It, it but, was lucky because it was thunderstorming. So the rain yeah. lost it off. I think. Or lot, lots of rain. Yeah. How, were the, how were the cucumbers that year, Ethan? A little tangy? <laughs> oh, oh that's horrible uh there's right, there's, well, there's another you, patio story i'll wait till the next yeah. time uh, <laughs> thank I'll you i'll tell uh, the other patio story yeah yeah um definitely thank you so much for being here ben we love yeah, you no thanks for coming we hope to talk to you again soon all right later guys thanks right, boy. <laughs> i told right. patio story number one yeah then <laughs> there are more right we'll have we'll have the sequels uh in yeah. future pods i think definitely yeah dude ben was awesome i i'm, I'm kind of sad i never actually met him yeah, he's the man. He's he's a great guy. Like, um, he may have he may have. I probably I'm you know might have talked to him with you guys, but I feel like I never actually met him. Yeah, it's sad. possible he like poked his head through the window at times when you were there when it was slow and things like that. But yeah, he I mean he was a big part of why like he was mentioning with Split Rock how we had a really good team in this really good environment. He was a big part of that. Like the executive chef really helps to set the tone for that. You know, if he was like a massive dick um it it would not have been it would not have been the same um, yeah and i mean the only insight i've got is either through you guys or like like my brother worked at tully's and then he worked at colorado mine company and again like you know eat restaurants do such a good job through the the, the front of the house and, and the servers to like present this wonderful image of like we've got everything under control and like right. here's your food and this is fancy and that's the job yeah and like on a pretty face, yeah. You, you learn about it. You go, oh shit! Like these guys are are firefighting every night. Um, oh yeah. You know they're, they're whether it's staffing issues or supply issues or food issues or unruly customer issues, or just like, your or just your life. I used to yeah. tell people that like sometimes when you're front of house, when you're a server or a bartender, you're practically like an actor. Like like I've I've had shifts. Um, I was working at a restaurant during during a nasty breakup and. I had I literally had to go to work the next day and be a server. I couldn't be fucking like mopey and cranky. I wouldn't have gotten like any tips at all. Like no. you, you kind of have to be able to act. You know, it's it's an now. Now it is funny though because when you do go to restaurants with Ethan or Colin, they will kind of like mutter under their breath like they should have checked on us by now or like hey yeah. a, a good server would have asked about this like because they, they they know the ins and but again just because also, of professionalism thing yeah but you're always you're forever polite you're forever yeah. and we still you're, tip well like colin oh, yeah. was saying yeah like even if they suck we'll still tip 20 percent or more but yeah when you when you've done it and when you took it seriously like colin and i did even though we're not lifers um as far as i'm concerned anybody who's worth their salt even if it's a temporary gig uh take it seriously and do it as well as you can and so so yeah so when we go to restaurants you you it's you just you know you kind of know what the what the top level stuff is so basically have some empathy like yeah that's the big thing definitely that was super sucks. fascinating i'm glad um i'm glad ben came on and talked about a lot of that because because um obviously i've been out of the restaurant game for a while and it was just super interesting to hear you know what it's been like for somebody who's in that and has been in that since before covid through covid now um and matt you made a super interesting point that i actually hadn't thought about with like all of the the um the delivery services with your you know your DoorDashes and uber eats and all that because you figure during covid that was probably a lifeline restaurants were probably like relying on that but now it probably is brutal when you have people going in person but you still probably have a lot of people doing that um so that's 
that's got to be a, a really serious challenge. So yeah, I, I swear at that. that Thai restaurant, there was maybe three people working. There was someone in the kitchen, the manager, and and someone running all the tables. And it was one of those like, like yeah, okay, we had to ask a couple times for, for her to refill our water. But when you just you sit there and you watch just delivery driver after delivery driver, it just come through the door in a situation where they're already understaffed. Like we sat there and went like, okay, we, we can see what's going on here. This, this sucks. And yeah, I wish I had, I had my food now, but okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, and, and the nice thing is we, we still tipped well because when our food came out, it was fucking delicious. Like, yeah. uh, but it's also one of those things like, I'm not going to order takeout from there. If I can, like, I'm not going to exacerbate that problem. Um, right. You know, or if I do, I'm going to go to the restaurant and order it to go instead of actually ordering through a service because, you know, number one, I don't want them to lose the cut. Uh, and number two, I don't want to, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to just get my Thai food and go. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Man, Good this, stuff. this has me wishing we can, we could all meet in Liverpool right now and go to Bangkok <laughs> Thai right now. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's rock under, and roll, it's, baby. It's on yeah, rock and roll. It's under new ownership. I wonder if it's still, uh, I wonder if it's still, I have gone it. since it's yeah, been yeah, under same. new ownership. It oh, was and, delicious. And, and, oh, all yeah. right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Five is a little bit different because, you know, yeah. rock and roll is not there, but right. yeah, a little bit different. Uh, they changed it, the beer menu a little bit too, but I went and got lunch there. One of the times I was home and was still happy. Okay. Nice. Um, That's awesome. And, and I was extra happy because I went to the other place, um, appetizing or whatever it was and oh, um, yeah. down the street from Nick and they didn't, they didn't have pad C on the menu, which was just, it, it, it broke my heart. Yeah. That's, that's my go-to like Thai. That's on, you know, thai me. Yeah. That's on know, like yeah. every menu. Interesting. And I've, I've taken after you, by the way, Ethan, every time I, I order it now, I order extra vegetables. Do you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, cause a lot of times the standard pad C U, they'll just do like maybe broccoli or like one veggie, but it, but you get like you four get pieces few... of broccoli and it's like, yeah. no, like, give me yeah. that broccoli and that sauce. Mm. Yeah, mm. I always order, I always order the veggie dip, like whatever I'm ordering, like the veggie one, and then I'll add the meat because they always give you more veggies. Like if you just yeah. order That's the smart. veggie version, yeah, yeah absolutely. Toddy yeah. taught me that. I won't. Take a, that a, as my uncle Toddy Jim would down. say, "You got the broccoli." His <laughs> <laughs> broccoli song. You got, got the, the broccoli. Song. All right, I like it. That's um, you know, it's it's uh, it's short and to the point, but I like it. It's you know, it's not. It's not wasting any time. It's it's economical, you know. I, I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this, but for like a year and a half of my life, we lived with my uncle. Um, like from when my dad got out of the service until we moved into our house in in Liverpool. Oh, I don't know if I knew this. Yeah, like there was, you know, we moved in with my uncle, so um, it was the bachelor pad. Um, he had he would make bachelor pad chicken, which was just chicken with Miss, Mrs. Dash on it. Uh, he loved his broccoli. <laughs> And uh, and the only VHS tape he had in the house was Wayne's World. So um, <laughs> that's like a good year of my upbringing. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, my what brother was the broccoli shared, song again? You got the broccoli. You got the broccoli. All right, perfect. Yeah. I love it. Okay, um, I'm going to start singing that to myself. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it, I mean, that was, you know, and back then I didn't like broccoli. But now now it's like every time I get it, you got the broccoli. <laughs> So, yeah, Everyone we, who hears this, we we live with my uh, uncle Jim in the North Syracuse for uh, a year and a half. You know, it's it's crazy because like the the week that my dad my dad saved up all of his paid leave time with the Air Force, and like the week that his paid leave time ran out was the week that he got his job at Bennett Funding. Um, so it just worked out. Cool. It was it was a uh, again it was one of those really weird times in your life, but I never knew it. Like 
Yeah. Like I shared a room with my brother. We hung out with my uncle Jim. He would, uh, we would have bachelor pad sessions where we would, we would write our own lyrics to Van Halen songs and look at car magazines and chew dentine gum. Like, like he had his briefcase and he always had car magazines and cinnamon dentine gum in his, in his briefcase. And like, Holy shit. I could never ask for anything more. That was, you know, some of the best times of my life. So anyway. awesome. Anyway, awesome. reminiscing um, Matt here. I think on this episode, it. people have learned more about the three of us than probably any of the other episodes. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. I think so. I think or even right. all of them combined. Oh, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, we haven't we haven't really talked much about like personal lives and history. We've we've been mostly just like baseball and beer. Um, which speaking of, do we want to hit a couple baseball things quick before we go? Or do well, we what, do, what are you guys so? drinking? I, oh, Ethan, you're doing um, mosaic week. Right? I'm having a mosaic week beer. So. Um, so there's a there's a brewery called Other Half, which is one of the most famous breweries in the country. They started in Brooklyn, and um, when was it? Like a year ago, maybe they opened a DC location. Uh, two and years ago, probably. Has it been that long? I don't. Yeah, it was okay. pre-pandemic. It was pre-pandemic, but it was after I moved here. So, and I've only been here for two years as of like okay. right now. Okay. So less than two years, but in any case, they just did a thing called Mosaic Week where they were highlighting the Mosaic Hop. And so Matt and I split a 24-pack of all the Mosaic Week beers, um, which there's two of each of them, so we each got one. And what I'm having tonight is Big Mosaic Vibes, and it's fucking delicious. Yeah, it's um, great. It, it's probably going to get a five from me on Untapped, and I'm pretty was, picky about my fives what? these days. It was well done. It was really good. It's really good. Yeah, it's a one, That's one of the ones I had when I was down there with you. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. Colin, what do you got? Hoppy Kaye? Happy Kaye from Lone Rider Brewing Company. Something my brother Dan brought. It, so I think it's from um, from the Raleigh area. Nice. Ethan, I, I drank that uh, vanilla stout that we were talking about. Yeah, and uh, delicious. Uh, yeah, hourglass imperial stout with vanilla. So that was that was mine for the night. So awesome. Uh, the West Coast. This is uh, someplace up in Oregon, I think. But um, Lone, Lone Rider is in Raleigh. I just oh in Raleigh, yeah, Washington Raleigh. State. So. Uh, um, Really, really good one. I'm, I'm surprised I let myself sit on that one as long as I did, but uh, it, was, it was it was fantastic. Nice, awesome. Um, Colin, up to you. Do we? I, we've. I think you guys started a little bit before I hopped on, so it's probably been a little over an hour. Do you want to talk baseball or do we want to? We can do a lightning round. round real quick first. Let's do a, let's do a lightning first, round. First, yeah. first, Matt, show me your shirt. Give me. Oh a yeah, we got a uh, Toppling Goliath Brewing Liquid Hops. It is their Hop Patrol. <laughs> series of uh nice of of beers that they don't they don't do as much about it anymore but toppling goliath just to let you guys know decora iowa they released one of the most sought after beers in the whole country it's called kentucky brand brunch stout i've been lucky enough to win the lottery for that twice wow. which is fantastic um it's a 12 ounce bottle it goes for a 100 bucks jesus it's delicious um and yes, I have driven to Iowa twice to pick up that beer. Um, but it's this, I mean, when I got this, I got the shirt for free when I visited them. And they were, it was their first iteration of the brewery. It was like an old Pizza Hut or something like that. Some really old, really weird restaurant. And they gave this to me for free because they said I was really nice. <laughs> Adi so. would be so 
happy. She would be. Yep, exactly. That's. What I mean, I also says. ordered like 200 bucks worth of beer. but <laughs> I was going to say, the least they can do is give you a fucking t-shirt if they're asking $100 for, for fucking 12 ounces of beer. Well, <laughs> this wasn't then, though. This was way before then. This was, oh, this was like oh, five okay. or six years before then. Gotcha. I just ordered a bunch of IPAs, and they're like, you're really nice. What's your t-shirt size? <laughs> That's cool. Um, All right. So now they've got this massive complex. They're awesome. It's pretty cool. I recommend if anyone's in decor, it's about two... Two hours south of Minneapolis or two hours west of Madison, Wisconsin. What was it and called? It was a top toppling golf? Toppling Goliath. Top toppling Goliath. Toppling Goliath. It's in the northeast corner of Iowa in a small town called Decora. Okay, sweet. They're awesome. I'll do I'll do one real quick. I'm wearing um my Josh Ritter t shirt. Yeah. Um, Josh Ritter is a favorite musician of mine, a singer songwriter. He's brilliant, he's wonderful. If you've never heard of him, Go watch his Tiny Desk concert. Um, Three of his more recent songs, they're brilliant, and they are just perfect and poignant for the times that we are living in. He's he's really great. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. Kobe, uh uh-huh. Today would have been Kobe's birthday. Oh, is that right? Okay. Mm. All right, fair enough. Happy birthday, Kobe. That's sad. Yep, yep, RIP. Jesus, seriously. Here's what we're going to do to end this out. I have four topics in baseball, three of them. We're going to do the lightning round real quick. I just want you to give me, I'm going to tell you what the topic is. You give me your like first reaction to it. Okay. Okay. And then, and then we'll top it off with Miggy and the 500 homers. Okay. All right. First one, Matt, you go first with this one. And then Ethan goes, the Colorado Rockies have one of, if not the best home record in major league baseball. What do you think about that? Home field advantage. I don't care if they've got the humidor there. Like, you know they they've got the the best hitters ballpark in all the league so of course they're gonna be better when they're home yeah yeah i think they've tried to fix cores right but it's still it still seems to be a relatively uh, uh volatile ballpark i mean we talked about trevor story's splits and they're insane um he's so much better at home so yeah doesn't seem that surprising they they probably just really really benefit from from that park I was just surprised when I was looking at the standings because they are yeah. way out of contention. I was right going to say I would not have guessed that one of the best home <laughs> records, like in the majors. Yeah, That's yeah. If crazy. not, if not the best. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's very close. They, have, I think, they had forty-two home wins going into yesterday. Forty-three. Damn. Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they so have funny. the best home so, record. So they Holy must be garbage shit. on the road then. Yeah. Real bad. Yeah. Yeah. 14 and 45 on the road. Oh, holy my God. crap. That's bad. That's like, that's like the Baltimore Orioles. like opposite. That's fucking crazy. Oh Good like hedge count. Holy Orioles. shit. That's yeah. funny. All right. Yeah. What's, uh, what's next? All right. Uh, San Francisco Giants, first team in Major League Baseball to 80 wins this season. Ethan, what do you think about that? Uh, it's a shocker. Nobody expected it. Um, but it's cool. It makes, it makes for a good race in the West. We all expected the Dodgers and the Padres to, to be this really, really tight race, but the Padres have actually been slipping and the Giants have been like the best team in the bigs all year. Hopefully the Padres pick it back up and then we have a three-way, a three-way, uh, exciting race in the West. But those kind of surprises are always fun. Yeah. Just the opposite of Coors Field. One of the most pitcher-friendly parks in the whole damn league. Um, you know, shout out to my friend Nader Fatui for talking about park factors and about how, um, you know, not to, not to go off the track too much, but if Barry Bonds is playing anywhere else other than the Giants, he probably would have had another 30 or 40 home runs because of how that park is set up. But, yeah, out of nowhere, like, 
if this is, I mean, remember, you know, four or five years ago, it seemed like every other year they were in contention. They were not expected to be competitive at all this year. So good for them. Good. Yeah. Someone needs to take the Dodgers down a notch. So good for Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's the thing though. And I think I said this last Mm -hmm. podcast, the Dodgers still win a seven game series. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at 538 in their, in their team rankings. Like the Dodgers are still the number one favorite for the world series. They're so stacked. It's unbelievable. Even, even without Bauer, their rotation is still insane. Kershaw, Bueller, Scherzer. I mean, are you fucking kidding? I mean, I mean, Ethan, without Bauer, would you say that's a, Bauer outage. <laughs> Jesus Christ! For, I can't believe else. his name. I can't believe his name finally made the podcast. Okay. Everyone, for everyone, yeah, that's, that, right. that, we that, yeah, we that's Trevor Bauer. Bauer's Twitter handle. So yeah, his Bauer outage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll address Bauer someday. It's yeah, uh, yeah. one well, of these kind of messy. We, we, it's we coming. Should, yeah, we should still wait for the investigation to play out. I think, but yeah. Um, anyways, what's next? All right, coming into today, the New York Mets have 63 losses in order for them to win 90 games. They would only, they would only be allowed to lose nine more times the rest of the season. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's fucking hilarious. That is hilarious. (laughs) Three of those losses are going to come against the Yankees in a couple weeks. Yeah, Yeah. baby. That is hilarious. And it's hilarious because like they, they, they have been trying. I mean, they signed fucking Lindor to a massive deal. They traded for Baez. Like, Obviously, DeGrom is hurt, but they have, like, the best pitcher in the world. Like, they've been trying, and they still suck. <laughs> Fucking Mets. That's amazing. Uh, so good. Especially, yeah. especially like, with all the Steve Cohen stuff. And, like, Well, yeah, yeah, he's uh, a piece of shit, so. Yeah, yeah but yeah. They, they were like, oh, the Mets are going to take over the Yankees. And, yeah, uh, hilarious. Hey, come on, yeah. yeah. It's, it's always going to be, like, the Clippers and the, and the Lakers in that town. Yep. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Also, what did you think? about Larry Larry Rothschild getting canned. Uh, you know, uh, this is actually something that we should spend more time talking about on a future pod. I'd be really curious to talk about this. So the idea of coaches and how much of an impact they have in baseball, it's one of these things that's really, really hard to quantify. I feel like, um, I feel like you shouldn't really rely on the statistics that much in this case, which is strange because I'm all about the statistics. But my thought is that in this kind of case, what, what, if they're firing Rothschild, for those who don't know, Rothschild was the, um, he just recently was fired. He was the pitching coach for the Padres and, and their pitchers have been struggling. As far as I'm concerned, you shouldn't blame the coach for the failure of, of, of the players, really, which is what we talked about with the Yankees, I think a few episodes ago. The issue then would be whether the players have that rapport and have that confidence in the coach. And I wonder if that had sort of crumbled. Um, it might not have because it's, they might love Rothschild. Um, and it might just be that that's an easy scapegoat. When your pitchers are sucking, you just fire the pitching coach and you get some new blood in there and you hope it works. And I Counterpoint though. Yeah. For every year, except one with the Yankees, they were either the 13th, 14th or 15th (laughs) in terms of ERA. And I can't remember if it's in in the AL only or in the whole league. It's interesting, but the, the you know the article didn't skip the fact that some years the Yankees gave Rothschild a pretty bare cupboard there, but they were consistently bad in terms of ERA under yeah. Rothschild. So this with is the exception of one year. Yeah, and we'll have to talk about this more another time. But like uh, CC Sabathia, really famous retired pitcher who pitched for the Yankees for a long time, he has his own podcast, and he's talked before. Like he loved Larry. And so Lots that's what it's like, Larry. 
Yeah, loves, loves, exactly. Yeah, still loves him, yeah. Um, so that's, like, that's the interesting part, right? So, Matt, I didn't actually know those numbers. So, like, the Yankees' pitching rotation was pretty mediocre while Rothschild was the Yankee pitching coach. But CeCe, who was our ace, who's one of my favorite Yankees of my lifetime, fucking loves him. Um, so, you know, how do you, how do you kind of look at that? It's interesting. But. Yeah. Well, that was the bonus segment. So let's top this off. Four or five minutes, Miguel Cabrera, who – at least from, in my opinion, I think all three of us think that Miggy is, has been one of the most exciting players of our lifetime. It just hit his 500th homer yesterday. Took him a while to get there, but he did it. Next year, he's going to get to 3,000 hits. And much like what happened with Pujols when he hit 600, I just feel like it's been not talked about a lot and – people just don't care as much. And I just don't know, like, is it because I'm older and like, maybe I don't care as much about baseball or like, do we just not care about these career stats anymore? Do we, do we only care about the like in moment stuff that happens? Like when Tatis jr. Jumps three times in the air to catch something. I mean, he's in Detroit. That, that's a big negative right there. He's in Detroit, but um, I, I do think it should be getting more press because, you know, it, He's one of the let's, best right handed hitters of all time. Well, yeah, and let's 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 look at the other milestones we've had recently. So A Rod, there was steroid controversy oh, around there. Big yeah. Poppy, there was the you know, he never he, tested he, positive, but there but was, was the positive the test out there. Yeah. yeah. Um Pujols, I don't think ever was caught up in that, but there was rumors out there too. So um, you know, Miggy, you really never heard about that, which again, I I'd think you combine that with the fact that he was a triple crown winner and you're right. The probably the best right-handed hitter of our time. Uh, he's up there, but I don't know that he's better than Manny. Manny or Trout. Yeah, I, I get it. But, but he's, now, he's, uh, Alex, he's one of the best. He's one of the yeah. best. And, yeah. and A-Rod. Yeah. He's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think part of it is he's on a, a Detroit team right now. That's really poor, unfortunately. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think Matt has a point there. Um, I think that like, like the MLB social media, they have been kind of talking about it and stuff, but there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of exciting players. There's exciting races going on. And the other part of it, and and Colin, you mentioned Pujols. I think it's the same with him. Sadly, these, these guys, they shouldn't be on major. They shouldn't be major league starters anymore. Pujols and Miggy, they have both been underneath replacement level. They've been below replacement level for like a few years now. Like they're just not, they're just not good major league players anymore. Um, but they're legends, and we want to see them get to these these big counting stats and everything because it's still something that's special in baseball. But I think that's part of it, too. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what Miggy is this year, but he's probably around zero war or negative one or something. Negative point four. Negative point four. So he's so literally, so the idea with that then is that if Miggy got hurt and the Tigers called up some random guy from AAA who was not that good, that guy from AAA would be better by a little bit than Miggy in terms of like as a complete player. That's what that means. And and just for context, the past three years, he's been essentially replacement level, meaning that 0.1, 0.1 and 0.2 war. Yeah. Now this is not to take away from him because like we said, he's one of the greatest right-handed hairs of all time. He's been a joy to watch. I'm so glad that, you know, he, his career happened during our lifetimes. He's he's amazing. Um, And the fact that he might also get 3000 hits next year to have 500 homers and 3,000 hits in a career has still only been done, what, four or five times in history? I mean, it's remarkably difficult 
to even when you suck at the end of your career to be able to play long enough and to still be able to do stuff long enough to hit those numbers it's like it's like hank aaron uh, Ross, uh, uh eddie murray no not even ruth uh, yeah i don't A-Rod. think ruth A-Rod. is a rod one a rod yep. eddie murray hank aaron did bonds get three thousand hits i don't know if he did did Mays? did I can't remember if Mays did, but regardless, it's like it's less than five people. So if Miggy gets that, I mean, it's hard to overstate that the yeah. accomplishment that is. So that's yeah. so that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it just it just made me a little bit sad to think that uh, he's been so good for so long. And it, I mean, okay, they showed his five under Thomer, and then it's like, okay, we're we're moving on. And like yeah. I get it, it's Detroit, and like you said, he's old, but. I, I don't know, like when they show highlights of Mickey Mantle hitting his 500th homer, like the 3,000 fans that are at the stadium go freaking nuts. And it's like talked about as this big moment. And he was, he had to have been just like Cabrera, not very good <laughs> player on that, on that team. It, w- yeah. When was it? 67, 68? Yeah, right, exactly. Well, and that's the thing is, is Mickey was relatively controversy free. I mean, he yeah. was always considered me. He was considered a, a good teammate. Ethan and I had second row witnesses, you know, like of him just, you know, hamming it up with the opposing team, and talking like people with people in the, in the stands, yeah, he was laughing, awesome. was really having fun. a good time. Like yeah. it was, you know, even though we were playing him and, you know, he's always a threat. At the, it was fun to see that. It was really nice yeah. to see it. Like, I don't know what he was yelling at that lady in the, in the bleachers in Spanish, yeah, they, they were but it was Spanish hilarious and he was yeah. having a good time. Yeah, and she he was, was smiling. Time. She was smiling. It was yeah. great. And I just want to clarify real quick. I said that I'm surprised that there hasn't been controversy with him. The only reason for that is because if you look at pictures with of him when he like came up with the Marlins versus like what he eventually looked like with the Tigers. I mean, it's like when you look at pictures of Bonds from from his early days versus later. Like, dude got fucking really really bulked up. You uh, know, I, and, I need to and, look because right now to me he just looks chubby. Yeah, yeah, I think if you go if you go a few years ago, I don't I don't think it's as much chubby as much as just big, which which is normal for this generation. But also steroids but the, are so the difference. The difference with them though is that Miggy was looking that big by like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when he was like twenty seven, twenty eight years old. Whereas Bond started looking like that when he was thirty four, thirty five years that's old. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah. point. And his head kept growing. And his yeah. head kept growing. And now, like you see, you see Bonds nowadays, and his head is fucking shrunk. Like it, it does not look the same. So. <laughs> oh man! Well, this is a great uh, episode, nope. guys. This is this is good. So yeah. yeah, let's let's end it now. Let's say goodbye, and we'll we'll be back next week. All right, bye. Everybody. Adios, everyone. And on my new podcast, Brownstown, I'm chronicling the sometimes sad but always hilarious story of the last 20 years of Cleveland Browns dysfunction. With the voices of Jim Donovan, Brady Quinn, Tim Couch, Romeo Cornell, Josh Cribbs, TJ Ward, Phil Savage, and many more, we'll track how unbelievably bad decisions and bad luck kept this team down for way too long. So join us as we go tailgating in the Muni lot and diving deep into the dog pound. You're going to Brownstown.